Welcome to ShambleFest! I'm Jess. I'm Amber. And we are your one-stop weekly shop for news shambles. We're a weekly WTF and current events comedy podcast. We drop episodes every Monday morning. Tune in. Shamble on! Morning! You're so cute content that is not suitable for kids like me. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Erin Plyme and Erica Schultz, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system, but we're still crazy for a good true crime story. Also fairly certain that's the first time I've ever said the whole thing on my own. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a new special person this week and and a brand new friend to me who I met 10 minutes ago. Um, So... (laughs) Erica, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us, like, anything? Uh, Sure. So uh, I'm Erica, and I host a podcast called Customers Also Watched, uh, which is how I met Erin through the Lady Pod Squad. And uh, so mine just basically covers B-movies on Amazon Prime, and most of them tend to be horror. And I am a fan of true crime myself, and uh, as Erin and I were talking about before we started... And uh, so I jumped at the chance when she said she was looking for a co-host this week. Yes. She literally just like last minute appeals, somebody come record, like things fell through and she was like, oh yeah, no, I got this. I'm ready. I've got a story. We're good to go. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so, so much. Happy to be here. All right. So I hear that you have learned something this week so that you could share Yes, I did, actually. Um, So, spoiler, my story uh, that I'm going to tell this week actually takes place in Norway. Um, And my husband and I are actually going there in July for our combined 40th birthdays. So um, I've been reading up on the country, and I thought this fun fact was fitting. Uh, Plus, it has to do with death, so I guess even more fitting. (laughs) Norway, death, we're good. So... (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I learned that it is forbidden to die in the Arctic town of Longyearbyen, and I'm sure I butchered that, uh, in Norway's Svalbard Islands. So Uh, forbidden to die. So (laughs) many questions. I'm going to explain, so maybe that'll answer for you. Um, So the town's small graveyard stopped accepting bodies 70 years ago after it was discovered that they were failing to decompose. Oh, no. Um, Yeah, so they can't um, bury any more people there because of the permafrost. So if you are terminally ill and going into hospice or uh, they will actually ship you off somewhere else because they say, no, you can't die here. (laughs) So you can't be buried there, but you can't, you are so also can't die there. Technically, if you die by an accident, you know, if it happens right. suddenly, then they will ship your body somewhere else. So my my real question is, how do you enforce yes. this? What are you going to do? They're kind of dead. Well, <laughs> I think so. There apparently there's only uh, about fifteen hundred people that work there. So. Um, 
I'm pretty sure that everyone there is probably okay with it because if they just kept burying people there, they would run out of room. Right. Um, and, you know, if they're not, I think the Norwegians are much more earthy mm-hmm. than most are. And so they probably think like, yes, that body should go into the ground and decompose right. circle of life kind of thing. So um, I don't think that they have um, too many people who are objecting and saying no. That need- And it's been in place for 70 right. years. So I don't think anyone's coming along now and, you know, protesting right, it. Right. So I mean, I would sort of just yeah. hope that no one would do that anyway like that's a really petty thing yeah when you're but that is such a strain like it makes complete sense but what a weird thing to have a law about yeah it is um i guess actually um scientists recently within the last 10 years or so actually removed some tissue from a man who did die there um, and they found traces of the influenza virus, which wiped out a bunch of people back in um, the early 20th century. Wow. Because he's just still perfectly preserved and you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's That also is creepy, actually, to think about. <laughs> yeah. But how interesting. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Okay. Well, my thing I learned is also about death. So, (laughs) but it's not location specific. It's cause of death specific Um, and has something to do with my story. So we'll just continue on this happy theme. Um, So I researched a little bit about carbon monoxide poisoning and how it actually kills you, which I I knew a little bit about, but like, I don't know. It it was really fascinating. So um, basically, if you are exposed to either lots and lots of low doses of carbon monoxide over a long period of time or a whole bunch all at once. Um, The carbon monoxide will bond to your hemoglobin and your red blood cells, but it does so more efficiently than oxygen would. So it takes the place of what your red blood cells are actually wanting, which is the oxygen. And so you kind of suffocate really because uh, your body can't get enough you go it, you become hypoxic and your body doesn't have enough oxygen and and it's as if you are not breathing properly um, but the things that I didn't really know are um, when so if I lock myself in the garage and I turn on the car or like if I'm warming up my car in the garage and I don't open the garage door and I'm sitting out there and I am exposed to a lot of carbon monoxide all at once or have you know something wrong in my home or whatever uh, the symptoms are very flu-like at first and so you might not even realize that that's what's going on it's more like I don't feel well I'm kind of dizzy okay you know, I would like to lie down now, but then you can quickly slip into unconsciousness and then coma and then death. Um, and then you get that like bright pink lips and pale skin kind of look, which I don't know if I feel like I have seen this in every episode of Law and Order, <laughs> right, where they come across a body and they're like, right. oh, had to be carbon monoxide because it's a very telltale like look. Yeah. It's funny because I actually try to get that look without dying, like pale skin. Yeah, no, lips. it's it's kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't suggest this as a method of obtaining that. That just it doesn't bode well. Um, 
Yeah, no, hard yeah, pass. <laughs> yeah. But even a little bit of exposure over a long period of time, it attacks like just the minimal amount of hypoxia. So not having enough oxygen in your blood over a long period of time will attack your organs and you can have organ failure and all of that. And it, it can be years and years and years and then it'll eventually kill you. So horrible stuff. I would recommend avoiding it at all costs <laughs> in any sort of quantity. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to avoid right. that. Um, I mean, that, I mean, that's like long-term exposure though, right? Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't look at like, what concentration it would have to be over how long but it was talking about like maybe if you work somewhere where there's a lot of carbon monoxide and it's higher than a healthy level but not so high that you'll notice um so like maybe if you are mining or if you work in a you know really poorly ventilated mechanic shop or something like that um it'll just catch up with you many years down the road if you are okay. in an area where it is super, super concentrated and it's like that instant, it only takes minutes to kill you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, it's terrifying because like you wouldn't be able to get out. So, so many forms of creeping death. Right? There. Yeah. No, there, it, it's kind <laughs> of amazing that we are all alive, actually. <laughs> there are lots of things that can kill you. So... So it sounds like we both have um, super happy stories this week. Oh, yeah. Mine is <laughs> <laughs> definitely up there. Awesome. Well, would you like to tell yours first? I'm so excited to hear it. I, it's my favorite part of the yeah. podcast is listening to the other person's stories. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I'm happy to go awesome. first. Um, so I'll just yeah. get right into it. Um, So as I said, my story takes place in Norway, and it actually centers around members of the black metal music scene in the early 90s. Um, I I thought this would be topical for this, um, considering there's actually a movie out right now called Lords of Chaos, um, which, you know, it's it's not a really a docudrama by any means or a a biopic. Um, It's sort of retelling Mm -hmm. the story um there is actually a book of the same name uh lords of chaos which came out in 1998 and it's a very thick read so if you want like a short sweet version there's a movie out there for you and Um, did you just see it recently i did i actually uh my husband and i just saw it last night i was Um, i was super excited to ask how was it (laughs) so he he enjoyed it more than I did. Um, I think so. Rory Culkin, mm-hmm. Macaulay Culkin's little brother, is in it, um, and he plays one of the main characters, Euronymous. Uh, that's E U R O Nimus. And um, I think he did a really great job. I think what took me out of the movie was that you know they're in Norway. They filmed it there, so the setting is perfect. But then you have these American actors oh. and. I really wanted, like, yeah, they needed to speak English, but I wanted Norwegians speaking English. So it kind of took me yeah. out of it just hearing Americans. Yeah. Um, also, there was, like, this um, Culkin's character was doing narration over a lot of the movie, sort of explaining things, which I get is probably necessary for people unfamiliar with the story, yeah. but... Um, it just took me out of it a a lot of uh, quite a bit of it and just knowing about the story I know it was you know 
they took a lot of liberties with a lot of things. And I don't really feel like they gave a painted a good picture of who these people Mm -hmm. are because there are no good people in this story. Like there's no one to root for. Right. Um, in it. I mean, they kind of made Euronymous sympathetic, I guess. Um, but really like, you know, there's, there's no, uh, no one to root for in it, which is kind of hard to do in a movie. You need someone to root for. Yeah. That's, I was going to say that would not translate well in any kind of, yeah. You need you need yeah. somebody to be in their head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I mean I I'd recommend it to people who if the story I tell seems somewhat interesting mm-hmm. to you I am going to spoil the movie for you if <laughs> if you do decide to see it um, with this but um, I I think people who don't know the story would probably enjoy it more than I did. Right. I guess is my main takeaway. Right. So for entertainment, not bad for. Yeah. accuracy and and yeah okay that's yeah, fair so okay um okay. yeah um fun fact there was also a uh, criminal group of teenagers in florida in 1996 who called themselves the lords of chaos um and a lot of people actually presume that's where the title of the book came from even though there's not really a direct connection right. But that Florida teen gang thing is a whole other, like, true crime story on its own. Did, so I'm not going to get Did into they that. take the name from this? Or was it just a coincidence? Or So the book came out in 98, and the teen group was in 96. So the, oh. a lot of people think that the author of the book actually took that name and was like, oh, that's a good name for this book because gotcha. the kids in Florida were all like metal kids gotcha. and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, but that's a whole other, potentially other episode for There you. we go. Um, I didn't I didn't uh, delve too far into that one because I was like, I don't know. Well, right. Not related. <laughs> up on like, that right now. <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before I get into the specifics of the story, I do want to give some sort of context for what black metal is, because I feel mm-hmm. like it's one of the lesser known genres of the uh, subgenres rather mm-hmm. of metal. Um, so there's like, you know, so many um, different types and there's this really long spectrum and, you know, on the ones on the opposite end couldn't be more different. Right. So uh, this is very, very oversimplified. So if you have any like, heavy metal fans listening, I apologize in advance, (laughs) you know, give me me a break. So basically like on, um, on one end of the spectrum, you might, you have what you might call like, um, glam or hair Mm -hmm. metal. This is sort of that poppy and safe, you know, safe for MTV during regular hours when they actually played music videos back in the day, back in my day. Um, an example would be poison, you know, singing like unskinny bop. Um, so then you get towards the middle and there's some more familiar bands like Metallica and Anthrax and Slayer. Mm-hmm. And then as you move even further along the spectrum, um, you'll get into genres like prog metal and deathcore. And then at the very far end of the spectrum, black metal is one of those subgenres over there. So we're talking so, intense. <laughs> yeah. So subject matter is, you know, and, and it takes a lot from other genres, um, but it really... Um, started coming out in the 80s and then obviously gained notoriety in the 90s after um, this whole incident that I'm going to talk about mm-hmm. happened. So 
So as far as black metal goes, the band Mayhem mm-hmm. um, was one, if not the first, of Norway's um, black metal bands. Um, and the events of the story revolve around that band in particular. Um, so many people associate black metal with Satanism. And while that may be true for some, um, many are simply just anti-Christian mm-hmm. um, or pagans. Not, or really, you know, really, they're just kind of anti any religion, especially those which took part in destroying Norse paganism specifically. Um, so... But bands like Mayhem um, never actually disputed the fact that they were Satanists because it kind of boded well for their reputation, sure. like, you know, just like sex sells, so to say. Sure. Um, so they fully embraced it publicly, um, and they even did other things to kind of play up that image as well and were sure to tell people about it. Um, so they did um i want there's another documentary about black metal called until the light takes us it came out in 2010 um and they did an interview with one of the members who went by the stage name hellhammer it's gonna be a lot of fun names I, in this story, i'm excited so. <laughs> um so according to uh an interview with hellhammer um one of the members of mayhem and the lead singer whose name was dead um would wear clothes that he buried i know <laughs> <laughs> he would wear clothes that he'd buried in the ground until they were rotten and filled with bugs. Oh, that um, sounds really awful. <laughs> yeah. Like just physically uncomfortable. I would imagine so. Um, I guess he would also wear um, corpse paint, which is like the, you know, white face, black yeah. eyes, dripping sort of look. Uh, a lot of people think of like Alice Cooper yeah. kind of makeup, but um but they did it more to be sort of like inspired. They said that it was inspired by the plague, but it's not like they were the first people to paint their faces. Right, right. So, um, you know, Kiss was doing it. And I'm not going to, you know, attribute it to or try and make a connection there because I'm sure black metal fans would revolt if I mentioned Kiss or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think one other thing that uh, Hellhammer said that they did was, um, or not they, but Dead. Um, the lead singer, he would inhale a plastic bag that had a decayed bird in it so he could, quote, get the stench of death before every song. How do you not vomit? Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm just thinking about like driving down the road and there's roadkill and and you hold your breath because gross. And to do that intentionally? I know. No. No, no, not at all. Like anytime we drive somewhere and I'm like, oh, it's skunk. You know, it's like, yeah, you're holding back the water. Right, so. right. Like, how long can I hold my breath? I don't want to black out while I'm driving, but I don't want to smell the skunk. <laughs> yeah. So, Dead was definitely kind of more on the extreme side of it and also suffered from um, severe depression. Um, right. He would physically cut himself on stage, like, deep, not just, like, you know, quick cuts or whatever. Like, he cut himself really deep on stage. Um over a period of many different shows. So he eventually had like all these scars on his, on his right. arm. So now that you have some sort of basic background info, info about that band and Norway, I'm going to sort of just jump right into the story itself. I'm, um, I'm a little so terrified. So like I said, just, uh, you know, it's, it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like I said, dead um, suffered from severe depression and on April 8th, 1991 he took a shotgun to his head and killed himself when he was home alone um 
he actually wrote a suicide note, which simply read, excuse all the blood. Oh. Yeah. Um, so Hellhammer and Euronymous, who were his bandmates, they found his body and his brain um, and tissue and blood were kind of splattered all over the right. place. And what's the first thing you do when you find a dead body, Aaron? Well, in my vast experience, no, I probably after I panicked, I would call 911 or the equivalent for my country. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. I am very concerned about what choice they made after you asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Euronymous did not no. do that. I mean, he did eventually, but his first reaction was to get a camera and snap photos. Oh, no. And, yeah. So he actually uh, would later use one of those photos as a cover art for one of their albums called Dawn of the Black Oh, Hearts. my God. It's out there. You can If you Google mayhem dawn of the black hearts you will see the picture it's out there so for those of you who are that so that will not Um, be our cover art for this episode i promise guys (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot yeah don't i would not recommend that it is uh it does get a little bit worse but i'm going to tell you right now the next part of this is um there's no actual proof that this part happened um Many speculate this is merely uh, a story to tell to make to make them seem more extreme or Satanist right. or deplorable or whatever. But according to Hellhammer, Euronymous also took pieces of um, Dead's brain and put them into a stew and ate it. Um, and Hellhammer said that he didn't eat any of it, but that he did take some of uh, Dead's skull fragments and make a necklace out of it. So no proof. Though. Right. But that totally would be, I mean, that would be the story that you would have to tell in that situation, right? Yeah. Wow. I think so. Yeah. So dead is dead. Um, But mayhem carries on. And in the early 90s, Euronymous also owned uh, a record store called uh, Helvete, or Hell, translated to English, um, in Oslo. And it became this sort of base camp for the black metal movement. Um, And so from that base camp, Euronymous sort of became like the unofficial leader of the scene. And he was always talking to people that were visiting there, you know, trying to incite them um, towards violence. One of the guitarists for another band, a black metal band called Emperor, uh, his name was Samas, said, uh, quote, we all hung out and talked about our hatred for Christianity and how to get the Viking religion back. Uh, The inner circle despised Christianity. So we talked about the idea of setting fire to wooden churches, a source of pride for Norwegian Christianity, unquote. You know where this is going, right? So between 1992 and 1996, there were roughly 50 burnings or attempted burnings of wooden churches in Norway. Um, The first and probably um, most famous church was um, Fantaf Stave. You nailed it. That's beautiful. (laughs) Great job. (laughs) And that took place in uh, Bergen on June 6, 1992. So no one was convicted for the arson of this church, um, but Varg Vikernes, um, who's going to become a major player in this story, 
and varg is the Norse word, our Norwegian word for wolf. So varg vikerness. Uh, he had this one-man band called Burzum, and he was one of the most vehement opposers of Christianity uh, in that sort of inner circle of people. He was strongly suspected. Now, after the church burnings had been going on for a while, he actually wanted to bring more attention to both himself, his music, and the black metal scene as right. a whole. So in early 1993, he actually met with a journalist in Bergen and gave what he thought was going to be an anonymous confession uh, to the arsons. Oh, <laughs> he's I was so just, dumb. That's so, wow. <laughs> yeah. So not only was he, con- you know, anonymously confessing to the arsons, he also gave information about a murder that took place in Lillehammer, um the previous year um it wasn't one that he committed but it was somebody else in the in the circle and i'll give the details about that as well and that person is going Um, dude (laughs) you're an idiot thanks (laughs) a lot yeah wow so obviously you know the journalist did not publish it anonymously it brought the attention of the police Vikernis later tried to say, oh, the journalist is lying. I'm like, you fucking idiot. You went to them yourself. Like, you contacted right. them. So that's on him. Um, so unfortunately, the police didn't actually have any physical evidence to hold Vikernis. And so after he was questioned and released by the police, Euronymous predicted that he would do something even more bold for um, publicity mm-hmm. and you know, Euronymous was worried that this would keep drawing more and more police attention to his shop. And so Euronymous allegedly confided to some inner, uh, some in that inner circle that Vikernis should be killed. Though, whether he was joking or not is up for debate. We'll never know because less than two months later, Euronymous was found dead in his apartment. Oh, okay. That was not what I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so um, August 10th, 1993, uh, Vikernis and a friend, uh, Blackthorn, <laughs> told you, fun names, they drove from Bergen to Oslo. Uh, Vikernis was supposed to meet with Euronymous to sign a new record contract. And after Vikernis arrived at the apartment of Euronymous, the two got in an argument and a physical struggle. Now, according to Vikernis, he stabbed Euronymous multiple times in the apartment and then in the head after he had fled down the stairs. Um, the autopsy for Euronymous showed that he suffered 23 stab wounds, uh, two to the head, five to the neck and 16 to the back. Ooh. Yeah. It's really hard to say yeah. that's like a, a self-defense or a like two way fight when you're, yeah. 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 And he actually, uh, Vikernis professed self-defense at his trial. He said that he thought Euronymous was going to kill him. He came after me first. And yeah, when you've got 16 stab wounds to the, to back. the back, that doesn't look like self-defense. No, not, not <laughs> yeah. so much, no. <laughs> Especially when it's 23 stab wounds. It's a little excessive. Also, I feel like it would be um, physically exhausting, right? 23? Yeah. That's a lot. I, <laughs> I get tired of yeah. like cutting things when I'm cooking. I <laughs> right. And they actually show this scene in in the movie, and it's brutal. Like, they don't hold back on it, so that's in there. But, you know, so he professed self-defense, and which 
like we said, doesn't make sense given all the stab wounds to the back. But what also doesn't make sense is that when he drove to Oslo with his friend, Blackthorn, uh, Blackthorn said that Vikernes brought three knives, a bayonet, an axe, and a baseball bat in the trunk of his car. So if that doesn't scream premeditated, like premeditated and keeping my options open like it's a lot right. of variety. yeah it's like hmm it's like he's holding a bat in one hand and the bayonet in the other he's like mm, we're gonna go with yeah, the knife I'm feeling like so, wow yeah. <laughs> so then after the murder according to blackthorn on the ride back to bergen he and vikernes stopped at a lake where vikernes took off his clothes washed the blood out of his hair and his hands and his face cleaned the knife and tied up his bloody clothes around a rock and threw it in the lake and let it sink but apparently Vikernes was still worried because he'd left the record contract that he'd gone there to sign in the apartment um, with the day's date signed. Oh um, and he had also forgotten to wear gloves. So pro tip, if you're going to go murder someone, you probably want to bring right, gloves. He had everything else. Like, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was halfway well thought out. Almost. So not surprisingly, Vikernes gets arrested nine days right. later charged with the murder of Euronymous uh, after his fingerprints are found at the scene, uh, as well as three charges of arson, one charge of attempted arson, and theft. So the prosecution had witnesses who testified that Varg had burned the churches, and on top of the physical evidence and testimony about the murder of Euronymous, Vikernes was found guilty on all charges. So in mid-1994, he was sentenced to 21 years in prison, which is actually Norway's maximum penalty. Interesting. Yeah. They have a, uh, and it's still in place today, so they have a maximum penalty of 21 years. But if the authorities don't feel that you are fit to be released, they can indefinitely add five years, two years. Okay, I feel like I actually may have come across that in another another case so do you know if that's true for just crimes where you've gotten the maximum penalty or if it's true of any crime like could I go to to prison or jail for like shoplifting and then you just keep adding five years I that I don't know actually I would think that you know it they would apply that kind of across the board Mm -hmm. um that would seem to make the most sense um but I don't know, actually. I didn't find that Right, and, and I never even thought to look, because I feel like we we had one, a case that was like that, but um, I haven't ever thought to look it up. But that would be really interesting to know if it's like a certain level, you know, whatever their, their felony or capital equivalent would be, or... Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's not quite the end of oh, Bart's no. story yet. Oh, um, no. I know. <laughs> so gonna sidetrack for a minute to talk about a couple other people in that circle who were also arrested so blackthorn the guy who accompanied varg was sentenced to eight years for being an accomplice Mm -hmm. and another guy faust from the band emperor was also arrested and he was the one who committed the murder that vikernes told the journalist about okay so So he's mad (laughs) he is mad but when he was arrested after after the interview, he showed absolutely no remorse. Oh. Like uh, there were bandmates and Emperor that said Faust had always been sort of 
fascinated with serial killers and always wanted to know what it was like to kill a person. Um, so what happened, and this is probably the most upsetting part of the story. In August of 1992, Faust was in Lillehammer, and that was when the Olympics were actually going on there mm-hmm. at the time. And he said that he was propositioned by Magne Andreessen. I'm, I really apologize if I butchered that name. Um, and he was a man who was gay and he Faust followed him into a forest and stabbed him multiple times. Ugh. Yeah. Just probably to see what it was like. Yeah. Like he even admitted like I did it because he was gay and I wanted to see what it was like to murder someone. That so, kind of person is sucks. like the most terrifying kind of person in my opinion like that just that I have absolutely no human empathy and I'm curious and why not kind of because how do you fix that That, that's not it's not a there's no reason yeah you you can't I don't know that you can fix that um what's even worse is that you know two days after the that murder um apparently he had told uh Vakerness and Euronymous about it and to celebrate they decided to go burn down uh, a chapel near the olympic ski jump in lillehammer um called the home jesus home and colon so yeah but thanks i guess to varg's confession he faust did finally get arrested even though it was a year later right and like I said, he showed absolutely no remorse. Um, he was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 14 years in prison, but he was released in 2003 after only serving nine. Um, and I when he was like their definitions yeah. are slightly different than ours, but that sounds like not manslaughter. Like that sounds like a maybe even premeditated like murder one. I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah I don't know like how it played out in the right. courtroom. Um, as far as like maybe his lawyer like I don't yeah. know. I don't no, know how that turned yeah. out and it turned into manslaughter, unfortunately. But when he was released, he still was in the music scene, and there was actually a lot of backlash about him rejoining the band Emperor for like an anniversary tour, which oh. I mean is good. But people were protesting. Yeah, um, that's icky. And, yeah, and apparently he was still making music up until 2014, which is the last info that I could find on him. Um, he did appear in that documentary I mentioned, Until the Light Takes Us, back in 2010. Mm-hmm. But his voice was disguised, an image was blurred out. Um, so my guess is that he knows how much people fucking hate him and probably fears for his life. I mean, so, good. I, I... <laughs> yeah. I would like to have more yeah. sympathy like for I said... everyone, but no, good. <laughs> No, I, I told you that I was like, there is no sympathetic people yeah, in this story. So it's just, wow. Yeah. So back to Vikerness. Mm-hmm. So during his imprisonment, he continued to make music, but he also disassociated himself with black metal and instead decided to focus efforts on be, becoming a proponent of neo-Nazism. Oh, of course. That sounds <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Excuse me. So he wrote multiple books about Viking folklore and his own ideologies. And he even developed this cult following and received hundreds of letters from fans, you know, much like Ted Bundy, Charles Manson. 
Then in um, August 2003, he was transferred from a maximum security prison um, to a low security prison. And in October of that year, I guess, like, they let you go out on, like, outside visits and on some sort of leave because he actually went on the run and escaped while he was out on one of these leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and... I feel like we should see that He stopped coming. a car. I... <laughs> I it's like, why would you? Yeah, I know. Maybe they learn their lesson. Maybe they don't let people do that anymore. I don't know. But so he stopped a car with a family in there who said that, that he hijacked their car at gunpoint. Oh. But less than 24 hours later, the police stopped the car and arrested him. In the car, they found knives, a gas mask, camouflage, uh, a portable GPS navigator, maps, a compass, a laptop and a mobile phone. And they also found a handgun and an automatic rifle in a nearby cabin where he had been hiding during his escape. So (laughs) the the police basically concluded, I know. So the police basically concluded that his escape was, you know, obviously he had some assistance from the outside, probably from his cult following. So 13 months were added to his sentence. And he was moved back to a high security prison, which is where he remained until 2009 when he was released from prison on parole, serving only 16 years out of his 21 year sentence. So. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's he's not done being a jerk yet, though. So so he continued to after he was released, release music and, and write, but he didn't stay out of legal trouble in 2013. Vikernis and his wife were arrested in France on suspicion of planning acts of terrorism after his wife bought four rifles. Now, they weren't charged. They got released. But Vikernis was instead charged by French authorities with inciting racial hatred against Jews and Muslims and was convicted of it in 2014. But he didn't go to jail for that. He just got probation and a fine of, I think it was like 8,000 euros, which... I feel like that's yeah extremely generous. Yeah, I I think I just always assume that like we are the worst ones at this kind of thing. Like the United States like just does yeah. a really bad job with a lot of sentences. But um I don't know if it's comforting or horrifying to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah. both. I think it's equally both. So after that, in 2015, Vikernes released his own tabletop role-playing game. Oh, no. Named, I know, called My Farog, M-Y-F-A-R-O-G, Mythical Fantasy Role-Playing Game, which is based upon, quote, European values, geography, prehistory, mythology, traditions, and morals, and offers the player the opportunity to play a game in accordance with your own European nature unquote wow i mean it sounds like like some richard spencer D &D or something like it's just what the fuck so so finally more recently vikerness has actually become a prolific youtuber oh my god he is i know he's espousing his nonsense his his nonsense on multiple short videos He's been doing so a lot more frequently because that movie right, has right. come out. And his actually his last upload as of this recording was just over a week ago on oh his channel. God. And and I'm sure people and, watch it. 
Yeah, it ha- he has over 220,000 subscribers. Oh, guys, and come on. We can do better. I know. I made the mistake of reading through some of the comments and it just made it just made it so much oh, worse. Oh, I'm sure. I was just like, yeah. So, it's yeah. So, yeah, he's um uh, convicted murderer is uh YouTubing and professing hate. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> hey, YouTube. We would be okay if you wanted to shut him down. <laughs> like Totally okay right. with that. <laughs> not not generally into the whole censorship, but, y- you know, this would be okay. I feel like there's an exception. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Quality human being. Indeed. So, but yeah, like I said, like, there's uh, there's no heroes in this No, world. really, really not. <laughs> he was impressively, impressively, like, I don't, criminally prolific. I <laughs> Every time I thought, oh, wow, this is like the end of it and no there was more yeah that's crazy so how how old is he he is actually in his late 40s um because he was born in 1973 he's only six years older than me so yeah he's like he's 46 47 yeah i that's not he might have a lot of life left oh wow which is really unfortunate. Right. Well, and it gives him so much opportunity to do so much worse than YouTube. And I feel like the lesson that he has probably learned best is there just aren't that many consequences. Wasn't wasn't yeah. all that bad. Yeah. Wow. Unfortunately. Interesting. So I was trying to think in the very beginning when you were talking about like the suicide and then the album art kind of thing mm-hmm. um, before things it's this is going to sound awful before things got dark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like he probably would have approved of the use of his suicide that being that the suicide note was pardon the blood or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think he definitely would have been okay with right. that for sure. But yeah. Does your story have a hero? No. <laughs> but oh, my story has far okay. fewer characters. Um, and actually okay. is probably one that is very familiar and because um, it's, you know, it's been in the news lately so much. Yeah. Because I'm going to talk about throwing my notes across the room i'm gonna talk about conrad roy although michelle carter would be the name that everyone oh i know that story right Mm -hmm. because our fourth season i am going to always have a threat like i feel like this season has been such so against us but i am determined to continue you know to continue that thread connecting all of my stories so last Mm -hmm. week ish was uh, a story about a false confession but it was also about a teenager who murdered another child essentially children who kill people freak me out so much like that that's very much in line with that like people who hurt other people because they're curious and have no empathy or moral compass and they just don't care yeah and I feel like if you do that as a child especially as like a teenager there's something even scarier about that which might be irrational but so oh it's not irrational i am terrified of children like whether they're murderers or not so i'm with you in 
general, I'm not terrified of children, but, (laughs) but yeah, the ones that like are a little dead behind the eyes. That's yeah. yeah. Um, so I looked into this sort of continuing with the thread of, you know, a, a child who, and I'm using child to mean like pretty much everybody younger than me, but especially under 18, who sure. causes the death of another person. So in the story last week, the person who ended up going into prison for the longest time was not actually the murderer, but was a child who was convicted of murdering another. But the actual killer, whose name I have decided to forget, um, was at the time also a teenager. So totally counts. So this is a story that probably everybody knows a little bit of something about. I know that when I was researching it today, like the thing that stuck out the most was not even the names, but it it was the eyebrows. Uh, So if you look at photos of (laughs) Michelle Carter, she, she is very memorable looking. Um, And actually, as I was Googling her, earlier and I was you know just kind of looking through like let me get all the dates and all the places and um one of the top if you start typing in her name Google predicts that you might want to look up information about her eyebrows as like the third option (laughs) (laughs) so um so Conrad Roy was 18 years old he and lived in Massachusetts he had a history of mental illness he had been prescribed a several different uh like psychiatric drugs he had a history of depression and it was actually what brought him and michelle together um because they both struggled with depression and had visited therapists and all of this kind of thing and so they were in a kind of long distance relationship that consisted mostly of texting and so the week before his death he had for some time been suicidal he had had different suicide attempts lots of kind of suicide attempts that were maybe a little bit more cry for help than actually I I want to die right now like there were there's a lot of I'm you know gonna kill myself but I'm gonna stop and and change my mind last second and try to so he wasn't I feel like that's even more sad because it wasn't like hey I want to die right now it was like I don't know what to do to get help and this is the only thing I yeah. can think of. So, which just makes the whole thing so, so, so much more tragic that that Michelle was in his life at all. Yeah. So, the week before he did eventually kill himself, um, he and Michelle Carter, who was 17 at the time, exchanged over a thousand texts back and forth. And a lot of it had to do with his depression and whether or not he was going to end his life Um, but the most notable texts that are involved in this case occurred the day of his death because on July 13th 2014 he started his car he had it fill up with carbon monoxide essentially so sort of like my what I learned Mm -hmm. and was attempting to commit suicide and in the middle of it had a change of heart or a panic or whatever and stopped left the car and texted his girlfriend who in Hmm. everyone's normal life would have then called 911 Right. Sought help, tried to talk him down, called a family member, something. No, not so much. Instead, she texted him and I have the 
actual texts here and it's awful. You can't think about it. You just need to do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more it will eat at you. No more waiting. If you want it as bad as you say you do, it's time to do it today. You're finally going to be happy in heaven. No more pain. It's okay to be scared. It's normal. I mean, you're about to die. Oh, fuck her. Yeah. So this was part of the story that like, I knew she had said things. I knew she'd encouraged him. I knew that she definitely shares some blame and all i had no idea it was that pointed like taunting him if you want it as bad as you say you do like that's awful 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 and monstrous so why can't people call 911 is our lesson for today call 911 right yeah no (laughs) if you cannot deal with this and you can't like there are professionals (laughs) Yeah. So that worked. And I, because I assume it was intended to send him right back into the car, which it did. And he killed himself. Mm-hmm. Just after he killed himself, she realized that uh, this may have not been a good idea. <laughs> surprise, <think>? surprise. <laughs> um, she became very concerned that people were going to think poorly of her when they found these texts on his phone. Specifically his family, they might not like her anymore. Yeah, well, I don't like her, so I mean. Right, right. Can you imagine though? I like the lack of awareness that leads you to be concerned that his family might not like you after sending that text. Right. Yeah, you're more thinking about yourself than the person who just killed themselves because you told them. To. Right. Right. Well, she was also very concerned she might go to jail. Mhm. Yeah. No, that's Okay. That's, Again. Yeah. Me me first. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Jeez. Yep. Mm-hmm. So she because she is a brilliant person, texted her friends that she was concerned about these things. So now it's in writing, you know, I, I could go to jail, what's going to happen to me, like they're going to hate me, just all of the super self-absorbed nonsense. Um, and so she was mm-hmm. arrested when they found the phone and read the texts and were like, yes, actually what you did is not okay. And in June of 2017, she was convicted and on August 3rd sentenced to two and a half years in jail and five years probation. So... What was the actual charge? Um, so the actual charge is ma- involuntary manslaughter. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, although, so the reason that this is sort of in is all over the news at the moment is because in she's been appealing ever since. So, mm. if she had gone to jail in August of 2017, she would be probably getting pretty close to getting out, especially with whatever the good time rules are in Massachusetts. And I know in Virginia, you only serve 80% of your sentence and less if you go to prison. And she would probably, but no, she's never been to jail because she's been appealing ever since and out on bail. This month, her latest appeal ended and the judge essentially said, you know, you're disgusting. Like this, this is absolutely unacceptable. Like, of course you have to go to jail that, and he really talked a lot about, um, that she didn't do anything to prevent her boyfriend's death and less so about the, she actively encouraged his death, which I think is even, even more horrific. But he said, you know, even, even without that, 
you knew this was happening. You had a conversation with him. You encouraged it. And then you didn't contact anyone. You didn't make any attempt to prevent him from killing himself. So you are culpable in this situation. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah, absolutely. So her sentence stands. It is still only two and a half years, which is nothing. That's nothing. It's nothing. And then five years probation, which is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. The the attorney general is moving for her sentence to be enforced already. Like it has been a year and a half. It is time for her to actually go to prison for a little while um, now that two different judges have upheld the sentence. But her attorneys are considering taking it to the Supreme Court with another appeal. What? Yep. Oh, my God. Basically, on the basis of it wasn't her responsibility to do anything about it, and all she did was text him, and it's not her fault. Ugh. What a fucking waste of the legal system's time. Right? Ugh. She's oh. not even being given that much of a, like, harsh punishment for no. what she did. My God. No. Serve your time and shut up. Right? Ugh. Be so insanely grateful that you didn't get what you deserved. Right. In that situation. And I I mean, I realize she did not travel there and force him to commit suicide. And she didn't like in any way actively physically harm him. But she knew exactly what those texts were going to do. And that was her intention. And I feel like that is just as much a weapon as a physical weapon. I feel like she should have gotten in so, so much more trouble than she did. Yeah. And like clearly like her motivation is seen in the events after the fact, because if someone texts me, uh, I'm going to kill myself. And I text back like, yeah, do it like jokingly. Right. It's not the same as me as what she did, which is that long text that is encouraging it over and over and over right. again. And then after the fact, trying to cover her own ass. Right. Like, Cause she knows what she did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and too, like with your example, I, I mean, there are some people, there are some people in my life who, if they texted me that I would be concerned, but for the majority of people, I would not take that seriously out of, you know, just out of the blue. Yeah. She knew he was suicidal, like knew for a fact and had the context that like he was in the middle of trying to kill himself. Yeah. When this text came. So there's no excuse. There's no like, I didn't know it would have this effect or I didn't intend this. No, absolutely. And then, yeah, trying to cover, trying to cover your tracks afterward. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like the self-defense in in your story, right? If you go and then you wash off the blood and you hide your clothes, it wasn't self-defense. Right. Like, if you did not call the police after someone died and your first reaction is, I'm going to run away and get rid of the evidence, right? your self-defense just went out the window. Right. Right. So, Any sort yeah. of plausible deniability at all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolute monster and really terrifying and also dead behind the eyes. Like, she's... The eyebrows are upsetting, but just the... <laughs> <laughs> I can't overstate how upsetting I find her. That's the cover photo, right? Is the eyebrows. Oh, it's got to, it's got to <laughs> be. It might just be a close-up. Although you really need it. I think the eyebrows are only upsetting because the hair is bleach blonde, but the eyebrows mm. are like almost black and yeah. also really, really straight. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, 
but yeah no even just her expression like you can any picture where she's sad she's just sad for herself and it's not she doesn't have any empathy or any remorse she did attempt to show some remorse I found a tweet that she posted the year he died in September so a couple months after his death um National Suicide Awareness Day. I wish more people understood. I love you and miss you every day, Conrad. Help others. Hashtag, we can end suicide. Oh. Nice try. Yeah. I don't think she understands any of that. No. I don't think she does either. I think that was something her, you know. It's a PR She was doing again for herself. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Or at the very least for attention. Like, I almost wonder how right. much of encouraging him was maybe just some sick, I have no empathy and let's see if I have this power. But also maybe just her own, like, man, if my boyfriend kills himself, everyone will have to take care of me. Yeah, you can see that too. <clears throat> so I find her absolutely terrible terrifying yeah she's she's awful yeah yeah absolutely so those were super happy stories yeah (laughs) (laughs) did we brighten your day everyone right (laughs) everyone got a positive outlook now (laughs) there has to be something good out of all of this though right like maybe even just that it is horrific and everyone knows it's horrific and yeah you know cue the nbc the more you know logo i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know but i i did like i did like your advice it fits very well with our call your people and don't end up on next week's episode but the like call 911 Seriously. or whatever your country's equivalent is like you should know that yeah. and you should call yes um yeah i feel like you probably, I mean, you could overuse that, but if you think you might need to call, just just go ahead. Yeah. They're, if they're it's very clear that. that someone is dead or someone is going to kill themselves, those definitely qualify for 911 scenarios. Like, there's yeah. no ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> no, yeah, you shouldn't even have to think. But I, I think even in other situations, like if you're thinking, I wonder if I should, just go ahead. They are absolutely trained to sort that to the appropriate place. Yeah. So, okay, let's put all of that horribleness aside and talk about your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a great transition or what? Yeah. (laughs) But it'll end on a good note. Okay, I can try and look at it that way, I guess. Yeah, Um. yes. (laughs) Here comes the sunny portion of the podcast, which speaking of, I love... So we're on on Skype and uh, your room is so bright yellow. However, I'm fairly certain Frankenstein's monster has been staring at me this entire time. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. There he is. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a little while to realize that that wasn't like some strange reflection. But it was like Uh, a... It's not alive, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, we have... uh, We converted our garage. And like, if you look over there, you can kind of see like the white painted there like yeah. that's our projector screen um, oh that's amazing so we've got that plus i've got like my whole movie set up nice. there like all my action figures and movies and stuff so yeah i love horror i love true crime and um so again that's why i was happy to be on this with you but yes 
but the podcast I host customers also watched is um, specifically about Amazon Prime mm-hmm. B-movies. So comes out every other Tuesday. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, um, all the things. And what I did is I actually started with one movie on Prime that was on my own personal watch list. And then... Um, watched that, reviewed it with friends. And then from there, I picked a movie from the customer's also watch list. And then every time at the end of the movie, I have to pick one from that next movie's customer's also watch list. So trying to see how deep this rabbit hole goes. Um, Definitely running into some garbage. (laughs) That's amazing. Do you ever watch a movie and then go, there's no... There's nothing to say about this. No. Or have they all been like plenty to talk about? There's always something to say. Um, the It's hard to find good things to say about a lot of these movies. Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but we do try to find like, you know, some kind of gem in each one if we possibly can. Like even the last one that I did, I was like, I hate this movie more than I've ever hated a movie. But at least they had a good Humphrey Bogart impersonator. And I will give it that. Like that's it. So, um, it's great. Yeah. So it's been fun. I even like, you know, I set up rules for myself, like no repeats. So I can't watch if I've seen the movie. Um, I can't, I can't pick it. Um, it has to be available for free. Like, um, and so that's kind of helped narrow down the options because there's generally between like 10 and 15 options. So I could automatically like rule out, okay, I've already watched that. Um, that one's not available for free. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been right. fun and it's been mostly horror movies so far, but hopefully soon I'll be able to beat the algorithm and get over into the sci-fi genre. Right, right. You just have to, it's like playing the degrees of wiki or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Where you have to yeah. <laughs> go um, So do you announce like at the end of the current episode, like the next one I'm going to watch is so everybody can play along? Yeah, so I actually pick during the episode like I will pull up the customers also watch list at the end of the episode and go through it and then I will make my pick right then and there for the next one so it commits me to it like so one of the other rules is like I can't um look at anything outside of the list like I can't look at reviews or anything else like that like IMDB or anything so I have to pick it just based on the description of the movie itself right maybe like the poster art or the runtime or whatever (laughs) Right. That was going to be my next question is like, so what is it that actually influences you to choose your next movie? Is it the cover art? Is it the description? Is it the actors? Is it the... It's kind of a combination of all of those things. I haven't run into one where the actor has pulled me in. Um, But um, yeah, it's generally been... um, There's one that I picked was one that I'd heard of before and had been meaning to watch. So I was like, cool Mm -hmm. bonus. Um, and that one didn't turn out so great. Um, but I mean, the episode (laughs) was fine except for the audio, but (laughs) I hate that. Um, (laughs) It's always my worst fear every time. (laughs) Yeah. But I did, I did, uh, the last one that came out, um, I picked it because it looked like it was going to be a horror movie about a killer clown. And then it turned into, it turned out to be rather a comedy um, where the clown was Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. And I totally got oh. duped by the poster. I was mad. I was like, what is this? <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your favorite movie that you've done an episode on? Um, 
I think um, I just recorded one episode with my husband and his best friend, which, um, and I'm not picking favorites because it was my husband. Um, The movie was (laughs) legitimately, you know, charming and probably one of the better movies that I'd seen. Um, Mm -hmm. That was called Twice Dead. And that's the next episode that'll be coming out, not this week, but next. Um, And then... I think the first episode I really enjoyed because I had a couple of gal friends and we were watching this horror movie um, called Curtains, which is kind of like an adult slasher movie. And it passed the uh, Bechdel test. So I was like, this movie's great, except, nice. you know, uh, it has its flaws. But we were all like, this is a movie that begs to be remade because that's the scale that I actually use for recommendations um, uh-huh. is you either love it, leave it, remake it or kill it with fire. Um, nice. And I've killed two with fire so far and left one, remade a couple and in my head for recommendations. I have not loved one yet, so I hope to find that soon. <laughs> right. So do your favorite episodes align with the movies you enjoyed the most or do you like the ones that like seriously bomb and... Um, I, I mean, I had a really good time doing the episode for Microwave Massacre because I hated that movie so much. <laughs> <laughs> Microwave Massacre? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was a great episode, but I hated that movie and I wanted to kill it with fire. Um, yeah. So I, I think it works both ways. Like, um, yeah. so I think my favorites are pretty much more about the movies themselves, but, um, gotcha. yeah. Nice. So do you like just watch tons of movies all the time or do you find yourself pretty much just watching for your episode like now as your general TV watching habits? Yeah. um, No, I watch a pretty good mix of both. I mean, I have a Mm -hmm. pretty extensive collection, so I'm still getting caught up up on a lot of other movies. Like I try to limit my bad movie exposure to just for the podcast so I don't get overwhelmed and burnt out. Um, sure. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, I, I still, um, you know, I still watch a lot of, a lot of other movies and um, keep track of them on Letterboxd. So I don't, uh, can, you know, lose track of anything. I actually, because of my physical inventory, that's the whole reason I got Letterboxd was so I could make a list and keep track of all the movies that I own. So I would stop buying duplicates. Nice. <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. That sounds like so, so much fun to do. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Neat. So do you have any um, social media, website, whatever that you would like to pimp? Sure. Um, So Facebook and Instagram under Customers Mm -hmm. Also Watched. Uh, Twitter is CAW Podcast. Um, Or even for those of you who are also on Letterboxd, I know we're few and far between, but um, username on there is Also Watched also watched awesome i'm so excited i'm gonna have to go listen that sounds like a great it's like i guess pouring is not the right there is lots of snow happening outside Mm. my window right now so uh yeah listening to a podcast about bad horror movies sounds like a great (laughs) afternoon pretty sure there's some baileys and coffee happening in my kitchen nice (laughs) sounds great well thank you so 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 much for your help this week of course this was a blast yeah thank you so much for having me this is a lot of fun Absolutely. Anything else? Uh, call 911. <laughs> yes. Call 911. Call your people. Yes. Don't end up on next week's episode. 
feel like those are pretty basic points that are not asking too much. Yes. <laughs> you can follow Crime Crazy on Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash crimecrazypod. From there, catch up on the conversation by joining one of two of the Crime Crazy groups. You can follow us on Twitter at Crime Crazy Pod. You can follow us on Instagram at Crime Crazy Pod. You can visit our website at CrimeCrazyPodcast.com or email us at CrimeCrazyPodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us individually on Twitter. You're at Erin Pline. I'm at Diana underscore Secon. And on Instagram, you're at Epline. And I'm at Diana underscore Secon.